Chapter One Before Mom and Sofu and Graham died, before grief turned me into this needs-to-always-be-in-control kind of girl, I used to love roller coasters. There are those moments as the roller coaster climbs the hill, the ones that take forever, the ones where your heart beats and your breathing speeds up, and that clump of snakes squirms around in your gut. Excitement wars with the urge to push up the safety bar and climb off, get off, save yourself before the car you're in crests, and any hope you have of escape disappears. Then the coaster hits the high point. You can see for miles around. You can lift your hands and touch the sky. So you do. You lift your hands, and as the coaster tips over into the long, steep fall, you open your mouth and scream and scream. Half the fun is in the screaming, if you don't mind being out of control, if you're a roller coaster kind of person. But if you aren't, if you're just there because somehow you got caught up in the flow, by the time you realize that this is something you really don't want to do, it's too late, you're trapped, and then you drop. Carly always hated the drop. I don't want to do this, Miki Jones, she'd say, using my full name, her tone mimicking the one mom used to when she was annoyed with me. It'll be fun, Carly Connor, I'd say, knowing it for a fact, in the way that kids do when they aren't old enough, experienced enough, to realize that not everyone feels exactly the same way they do about the things they enjoy. For you, maybe. For both of us. I'll puke. You've never puked before. There's always a first time, and I'll probably do it in your lap. It would serve you right. I'd laugh and grab her hand and drag her along. She never put up much of a fight once we were in line. Maybe because she's always been middle child Carly the peacemaker. Or maybe because once she was in line, she knew the inevitable was at hand. She went on with me every time, eyes screwed shut, jaw clamped tight, a look of sheer terror on her face. I know that for certain, because we'd always check the pictures they snap while you're on the ride, the ones they try to sell you for way more than they're worth. There I'd be, smile a mile wide, hands in the air. And there Carly'd be, face white, knuckles white against the black padded safety bar, stoically sitting beside me. We laughed at those pictures. I'm not laughing now. I may never get the chance to laugh with Carly again. On my last mission, the game spilled over into my real life. I need to think about that, figure out how it happened and what it means, but not right now. Right now, there are too many other things crowding my mind. The drow almost killed Carly at the Halloween dance, when the unimaginable happened, and they crossed over from the game into the real world. My world. She survived, somehow waking up alive and unscathed on her bathroom floor, only to end up on the edge of death again a few hours later. She and Dad were hit by a drunk driver. They're both lying in the hospital, hurt, unconscious, maybe dying. But I'm not allowed the luxury of focusing on them and willing them to be okay, because the committee chose this moment to pull me to a deserted factory on a mission to hunt the drow, and I have to focus everything I have on finding them, killing them, and keeping my con from going red. I glance at the black wristband with its rectangle of color, swirling with variegated shades of green. My portable life bar. If my con hits red, if I die in the game, 
I die for real. I don't want to die. I don't want any of my teammates to die either. Not Luca or Tyrone or Kendra or Leon. Not Jackson, the boy who pushed his way past the gray fog of my depression, made me feel again, made me care. I love him in all his flawed glory. I just haven't found the right moment to remind him of that. He's hunkered down just ahead of me, knife in his left hand, weapon cylinder in his right as he leans forward and ducks his head around the corner, checking the wide hallway ahead. He's 100% in the game. From the second the rest of our team showed up in the lobby, the tree-lined clearing where we start each mission, Jackson locked away every emotion I know he has to be feeling and became the team leader he's been for the past five years. I followed his lead and gave nothing away while we all geared up and got our scores. None of the others have a clue that Jackson and I made an unexpected detour on our way from the real world to the lobby. That never happens. The routine is set. Real lives, lobby, mission, back to the real world. But this time was different. This time, Jackson and I came face to face with his sister, Lizzie, in a creepy control room crawling with tiny spider-like nano-agents that swarmed over her fingers where they merged with the control panel. Lizzie, those nano-agents and that control panel were able to pull us, just like the committee. The thing is, Lizzie's been dead for five years. So who was the girl wearing Lizzie's face? And what am I supposed to make of the warning she gave us? The committee, she said, don't trust them. They aren't what you think. Neither are the drow, the battles, the game. <laughs>